Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How you doing, buddy boy? Don't be scared. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this hump day edition of the show. I know it doesn't feel like Wednesday, but it is, given the holiday on Monday. But we are here to debate. Kyle and I are here for Scout versus Scout, and we are on opposite sides of the fence on a couple of football topics that uh, we're going to get into in just a moment. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Anytime we get the chance to butt heads with one another on this show, I think it's a good day. Yeah. I think it's a good day for the people, the listeners. And I'm fully prepared for, just because it's me being me, uh, folks disagreeing with the stances that I'm going to take throughout the course of today's show. But that's okay. Are you? Uh, was that a ploy right off the bat? Like, you think that just because you are you, that people are going to side with me on stuff? Or like, what's it? I think, I think you're a much more likable personality sure. than I am. Yeah, for sure. So I don't think in debate situations that necessarily works out to my advantage. But that's okay, because Joe, I've told you this plenty of times. Every good story needs a bad guy. Fact or fiction? Fact. Uh, well, <laughs> here it is. I'm going to make a statement here. I'm going to see if you agree with okay. this. Fact or okay. fiction? You are a more likable person. You are a more likable person in person than me. No, I think that's fiction. Really? Because I'm, I'm. Yeah my my personality is loud, right? Like I can I can see that some people might really be drawn to that, but some people may also be turned off by that. Where you are, I feel like you can so easily fit into any room with any group of people. I I disagree with you. I mean, I really? I I um I definitely agree that I'm more likable in terms of a NFL draft personality. That's for sure. But um, in person, like I think that you're just so like. You're just different, right? You're. I think you're a very courteous, kind person. Like you're engaging in social social situations where I, I feel awkward a lot of times. And I, you know, I, I mean, maybe that maybe I find strength in that, and it causes me to uh, adapt and, and try to you know be part of what's going on wherever I am. But I feel like like you're a super like super likable person in person. Well, maybe we need to round up a couple of my haters and we'll find out. <laughs> and there, there are haters out there, Kyle. We'll have a lunch and learn or something like that. Well, you know, I'll be, we'll be, there's some people we can ask to see. but um, Yeah, there's, I have no shortage of options. But, Joe, we're not here to talk about how likable or unlikable we are as people. We're here <laughs> to talk ball. And we have two topics that we're going to get into. Joe, one of the things that we do every single week over at the Draft Network, please swing over and check it out is we have our entire staff put together a list of the top 25 programs in college football. Do a top 25 poll. And uh, there was some movers and some shakers among this week's results, Joe. Uh, My question for you is, I actively kept track of this. Did you keep track of how many teams in your top 25 lost week one? Um. 
No, not in. I, I think only two. Two. Three. Excuse me. Three. Four. I find that hard to believe. Four. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I'm working through it right now. Uh, so in my initial preseason top 25, four of my top 25 lost. I had five. Okay. I had Washington, Miami, Michigan, Texas, and Florida State. Um, maybe I had five as well. Can you repeat Uh-oh. those? What was your pro- your producer's <laughs> holding it a little loose with the vest <laughs> well, today? I had so I definitely had Washington, Miami, Michigan, and Texas. Who was that? Florida State. Oh yeah, I had Florida State too. Oh yeah. yikes! Five. Okay, so we had the same five loose. Yep. And uh, the rest of my my teams won pretty comfortably, but Joe. Uh, when the new list came out to, or yesterday, courteous of you, uh, we had some stark differences amongst our polls in reaction to the losses that took place. Would you care to kind of set the table for this debate? <laughs> Absolutely. I got rid of all of them except for Washington. Texas is out. Miami is out. Michigan's out. Uh, Florida State's out. And I feel good about it. And I'll even take this a step further. In my preseason poll, I had Michigan at 10, and I had Miami at 8, and I got them all the way out of my top 25, and I don't feel bad about it at all because those teams sucked in week one. And the only game that we have to measure these teams this season is week one. And I get the talent side of things. I I certainly get that. Those are talented football teams. But Michigan, specifically, 33 rushes for 58 yards. Shea Patterson didn't look comfortable at all. No, they're out. Miami, Malik Rozier looked like the worst quarterback I've seen since that bum who Tyler was a Tyler Murphy at Florida. Looked horrible. 34 rushes, 83 yards. Couldn't run the ball, couldn't throw. I got them all the way out of the out of the rankings. And so they're going to have to earn their way back in. I respect the talent of both teams. But so far, these results are very underwhelming and it pushed them from 8 and 10 to not even in my top 25. Well, we were going to set the table for the debate here. You just dove right in. Yeah, I'm I sorry. mean, you, you let it rip, dude. Yeah. Um, so I guess my rebuttal would be this. Uh, where, How far did you have Washington fall? I had Washington. So in my preseason poll, Washington was seven. In okay. my week one poll, Washington fell to 13. Okay, so you had them fall seven spots. Yeah. For losing to a team that you had ranked where? Auburn was my preseason number six, and they're now. So they lost to a team that was ranked higher than them, and you dropped seven teams over top of them. Yeah. You know what this feels like? What does it feel like? This feels like you're a prisoner of the moment. Of course. Of course. You're not supposed to be a prisoner of the moment. If you had teams rated in the top 10 and they drop a football game, that's not necessarily an invitation to just. You know, snap your fingers and they disappear from existence. These are still talented football teams. I would say, in a lot of cases, the the week one ugly losses are are typically the aberration of you know the first game out and some chemistry issues more than anything else. I look at Michigan. Uh, we we got to get the ball to the boundary more, but they got to adjust adjust their play calling and philosophy. I don't think that's a detriment to say. Nah, forget it. Like this, this team's not one of the twenty-five best teams in college football, and I think that's really where the philosophical thing comes in. Where 
you, it sounds like, take each and every one of these teams on a week-by-week basis. Is that correct? Yep, I sure do. That's right. Does it not make more sense to, instead of allowing one week's tilt to have you just rip teams off the top 25, to adjust your expectations but still say, I'm not going to throw out my preseason expectations and the talent level of these teams altogether. Well, I, I mean, I think I look at it in terms of the resume. Right now, the only thing I have to go off is one game and how they performed in that one game. But how did you set your original rankings? Based on my expectations, based on where I thought. And, and what was that be, based off of? My watching these teams over the summer and knowing who the players are. Oh, and, how did you watch the teams over the summer if there was no no – it's nothing to set your expectations to. I, I mean, I, you just know the personnel and you know the coaches. And, and Oh, you mean so they played games prior, like they, last year? They did, but now I threw it out oh, the okay, door. Uh, okay, so those those teams played games prior and a lot of those players came back. So that's how you got your expectation to start the year. Because that's the only way to, right? Is there another way that oh, I'm okay. not familiar so, with? So all I'm saying is you can't just throw that in the garbage. You set your expectation based on the personnel and the games that they played last year. Yes, now, I could, un- I could understand if it was a team like Florida, right? Like not having Florida in necessarily. If you watch Florida play and you said, holy cow, they just smacked them down. Dan Mullen's going to just inject and breathe life into this team. And I think this is a team that with a new head coach and fresh, innovative play calling, they're they're ready to compete and win nine games or something this year. And you throw them in. I think you're going to make better case for throwing teams into the top 25 for big wins that far exceeded your expectation versus throwing teams that were in your top 10 out altogether because they had a bad performance. And I did that with Utah, who was unranked. I put them at 21, and I took Sad. West Virginia. West Virginia went from 22 on my board to 8 for the way that they dominated Tennessee. Um, yeah, for me, I, I think that there are two different conversations, Kyle. I think your preseason rankings – are developed based on the things that I mentioned. But now that it's the season, it's week one, it's, you know, it's a measuring stick for me. This is, you knew about this game forever and you prepare for it. And how you performed is the way that I was mindful of in terms of how I slotted my week one. I didn't even look at my preseason rankings. Uh, When we decided on this topic today, it was the first time that I went and looked and I said, wow, I took these, I took Michigan from eight and 10 to out. This is the first time I considered that. Now, moving forward, I think I will be more mindful of it. And these teams, it's not a kiss of death for those teams. Go win games. Go be impressive. You're going to move back up. One loss isn't, isn't a detrimental. Clemson lost to Pittsburgh, won the national championship. They won, they won The next year they lost to Syracuse. We're still in the playoffs. It's okay to lose a game, and it's probably best to lose it early. But for me, I throw out my expectations, and I'm grading it based on what I saw in week one. Now, did you have LSU ranked? Uh, they're ranked and, now at number nine going into the season. Nine. I had them at 20. Yep, they went nine. 20 to nine. Yeah, you beat Miami, a team. Well, yeah. well, Miami's not ranked, so that's not a problem. They're not weight. anymore. They're not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what was our biggest – if you look, I have the chart. So our biggest discrepancy between the two – I still ha- I oh, still have Miami have at 13. Than, yeah, that's wild. I don't even have them ranked. They're a good football team. Yeah, Rosier's terrible, man. I mean, yeah, but you could say that about how many teams on this list have terrible quarterbacks. Miami's also now lost four in a row. And they okay. skated by all year last year. I defended them all year 
because I believe in that team. And so they've won close game after close game. And then we've seen this team kind of unravel over the last four games dating back to the last three last year. Well, we're going to have to agree to disagree. But real quick, before we move on, can we talk about Amon Richards? Yeah. (laughs) I'm concerned about some durability things with this guy now. Yeah. Right? This is the third year in a row that, like, early in the year, we've had something that's, that's putting you on the medical list. And that's a total bummer. And I'm, I'm hoping that this knee bruise that, that Mark Richt is saying, what kept him out of that football game, turns out to be something very minor. But you can bet your bottom dollar people are paying attention that Amon Richards, for all the talent that he has, he's on the injury report again, third straight year. One other uh, injury note of significance is Trey Adams, the left tackle for Washington. He yes. Missed- he missed a good chunk of last season at the end with a torn ACL. Keep in mind, this is a man who's six foot eight, three hundred twenty-seven pounds, and then it came out uh, that he didn't make the trip uh, from Washington to Auburn, and that he's going to miss potentially the entire season with a back injury. So, uh, a man of his size with those injuries and his, you know, in this this year, you know, I, I just uh, not the stuff you want to be talking about for no. a guy that is, uh, you know, kind of thought of as potentially a first round guy. Yeah, hurt stays hurt. Who said that? Was that Connor Rogers that said that? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was a good quote. He, he said that in a call, right, in one of our meetings. Yeah. Uh, either that or was it in the Draft Network Slack? Somewhere, yeah. One or the other, but I believe that was Connor Rogers. It says, hurt guys stay hurt, yeah. or hurt stays hurt. And uh, both those guys now, big red flags. So that is a bit of a buzzkill. Speaking of some of the prospects from these top 25 teams, Joe, we have a fun topic for the second one. Would you like to set the table? Yeah, I'll set the table here. What we want to get into is some draft philosophy type stuff. And you've probably heard throughout your uh, course of following the NFL draft and the analysis around it, some GMs or people that say you should draft a quarterback every year. And, you know, you look at some examples of teams that had an established quarterback and was able to develop one and move on from that quarterback or trade the the new one or you know there's some value in the returns and so you kind of want to get to this topic here of should you draft a quarterback every single year and Kyle and I are on different sides of the fence I went first last time Kyle so I'm going to flip it over to you to uh, get your opening statements out you absolutely should draft a quarterback every single year there is no such thing as too much competition at any position in the National Football League and especially the quarterback position where Injuries have the ability to derail your entire season. I think backup quarterback is an extremely undervalued position. And furthermore, I think you have seen the New England Patriots have added an extra draft pick every four years by continuing to flip rookies that get sparing playing time for draft selections. And teams will pay middle-round picks for a promising young quarterback. So as I'm looking at, you know, what is the likelihood of you getting a hit in the fifth round, sixth round? I absolutely take a quarterback versus the alternative of hoping I get a quality specialist or I get a guy that might be on my team for three or four years. I would rather invest a draft selection in a guy that might be on my team for three or four years but could immensely provide greater returns on the pick, especially if I'm set at the quarterback position, by picking a player that I know, if he shows promise, teams will pay me for 
relative to everybody else. So I think the opportunity cost of picking a quarterback in the middle of day three, beginning of day three, I think that opportunity cost is very low relative to other positions that you can pick. I think for me, I think it's a good idea, in my opinion. The the points you make make a lot of sense. Um, And obviously the importance of the quarterback position certainly lends itself to kind of taking some chances because you just don't know, right? Like there's most of the good quarterbacks were drafted high, but there's, you know, there's the Dak Prescott's and the Derek Carr's and the Teddy Bridgewater's and the Tom Brady's and, you know, the list goes on and on. But for me, I just, with the uncertainty of how things are going to unfold in the draft, there's just no way that I want to go into it saying, I've got, I've got to use one of these picks on a quarterback. I think what you have to do is, regardless if your quarterback, you know, just to make it very real, regardless if your quarterback is Jared Goff or if it's Tom Brady or if it's Phil, whoever it is, I think you have to evaluate the quarterback class like you do every single class, every single position, every year. And if the opportunity presents itself as the draft unfolds to pull the trigger on a quarterback because he's the highest rated player on your board or he's similarly rated to someone else that you have uh, and you you value that position, then you pull the trigger. But for me to go into a draft and say, hey, I've got six, seven, eight, nine, however many picks, and one of them has to be a quarterback because this is a rule that we live by, I don't, I don't think that that plays to the fluidity of the actual draft. And then I look at – you know, the, the quarterbacks that are drafted in any given class, you know, very small percentage of them actually turn out to be worthy players. And especially as it gets later in the draft, I mean, we're talking about a very, very small percentage. Now, I understand that if that player turns out to be even a valuable backup, then it's worth it. But it just seems so unlikely given how thorough and how thirsty the NFL is for quarterbacks for someone to slip through the cracks like that. And so for me, it's the fluidity of the process, it's the unlikelihood of it being a, a good return, and the fact that I don't want to do it just to do it. I mean, it, how many years in a row could you really do it and then, it, and then really be giving the players on your, your roster a chance to develop? And so I just think there's too many factors working against it. It's a good idea. I think it's something you should try to do, but I think you should treat it like you do every other position. And if it makes sense, pull the trigger, but you can't just go into it and say, I've got to draft one. Joe, I'm a little disappointed. Okay. This was a this was a soft stance from you. Well, I have Not I have from, no I have another follow up point here that I want to get to, but I was going to let you respond. Oh, you're going to you're gonna, you're gonna sit on it. Yeah, that's okay. I, I understand you were a very high quality debater in your time. Yeah, and I was told you won the what was it the county debate Union County debate tournament Union champion county. in 2003, sir. Excuse me. Please <laughs> forgive me. I was 14. Um, so I think you make fair points and that you can't marry yourself to any idea that you have to come out with X, but I think you had mentioned the likelihood of that player materializing into anything. What is the likelihood of any fifth, sixth round pick materializing into anything at the very worst, you get a guy that is going to come in. He's going to compete in camp. He's going to keep your arms fresh. You get to storm on the practice squad for a year or two, and you know you just keep churning it. And if you do it every year and they're low investment picks, what is the skin off your back if that person doesn't become a quality player? Like you see the Patriots, obviously, you know with Danny Etling, like they took Danny Etling in the seventh round this year. Danny Etling looked pretty darn good, 
and Danny Etling ran for like an 80-yard touchdown, which is the weirdest thing I've ever said on this <laughs> podcast. And then the Patriots proceeded to cut Danny Etling. Like, I, di- I just I think if you're going to make a hardline stance about investing late round picks in a position because the likelihood's not going to work out, I think you could apply that to anything. That's that's kind of my follow up. Here's uh here's something that I would do instead. All right, if I can draft a quarterback and it makes sense, I'm going to do it. I'm establish that. What about signing one? Right, like there's this. There's this crop of quarterbacks every year that's available in free agency that you could sign one and potentially flip. We saw it twice this particular year with Teddy Bridgewater in the Jets. They flipped him for a three to New Orleans. Buffalo signed A.J. McCarron, got a five from the Raiders. Why wouldn't you kind of let everybody else do that work for you and sign one and then inevitably somewhere around the end of preseason going into the year – you have an opportunity to get a draft pick back for an established veteran that somebody will likely trade for. Like, I think that's an interesting idea an alternative. If you can't find a worthwhile draft pick throughout the process of the actual draft. Sure. And I think that that's, I think maybe we can come to a middle ground here and say, you should invest in some way in the quarterback position every year. Relatively. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that for sure. Yes. You know, whether that's you know retaining a veteran backup services or going out and, and picking over the free agent pool and, and you know a guy hits free agency as a backup or you know trading for somebody else's or investing in late round pick of your own address the quarterback position and keep the competition in that room as high as any room in your your building is that a fair middle ground yeah I mean not that our goal was to get to middle ground but I think that's fair. I think we respect the importance of it. Man, we're we're coming up on the final turn here. I want to make sure that there's some (laughs) harmonious vibes in this podcast now that we're going to go ahead and put a bow on today's hump day episode of The Draft Dudes. Uh, Any parting thoughts for the folks listening at home? Um, The only thing I'll say is if you have scout versus scout ideas that you want to hear us debate, hit us up on the Twitter machine because we want to get to the great topics, but we don't always have them. So shoot them our way so we can – Talk about what you want to hear about. Give us some vibes on the tweeter, folks. Joe's at the Joe Marino. I'm at grinding the tape. And we are the draft dudes. We'd like to thank you for carving some day out of your day today to listen to this podcast. We'd kindly encourage you to stop back again soon. Hit that subscribe button. Please, if you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. We would love to hear from you. Love to get some feedback on the show. Uh, I can honestly say it makes my day when we get a five-star review, Joe. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'll confirm But those, po- those positive vibes feel great, baby. So consider that an invitation. Please make our days. Leave us a five-star review on the pod. Uh, I am Kyle Crabb signing off with Joe Marino. And thanks so much for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.